Good afternoon, everyone. This is Judge Lopez. Today is April 13th. I'm going to call the 2 o'clock docket. I'm going to, sounds like I need to mute this line. There's a bunch of folks on it. Just give me a second in the courtroom. I'll take appearances. Let me just, this is Judge Lopez. One of the things I did want to mention is on our website, if you go to my personal site, uh, you'll see an area where you can make an electronic login, uh, electronic appearance. Um, I'd ask that you please use that if you, unless you intend to speak today. I'm, there's a, over 100 people on the line, so I'm going to mute the entire line. Those that wish to make an appearance for purposes of today's status conference, uh, please go ahead and hit five star, but I'm going to start by taking appearances in the courtroom. Conference muted. Okay. I uh, maybe hold on. Let the judge turn his camera on too. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Good afternoon, Your Honor. Trey Wood on behalf of the Office of the Commissioner of Baseball, Cleveland Guardians Baseball Company LLC, and Minnesota Twins LLC. Your Honor, with me today is Mr. James Bromley with the law firm of Sullivan and Cromwell. Okay, good afternoon. Mr. Uh, Mr. Bromley will take the lead. Um, thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Mike Bishop from Gray Reed on behalf of AZPB Limited Partnership, also known as Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Dale Sheehan from the Gallagher Kennedy firm will be taking the lead today. Okay. The court's already entered his pro hoc. Uh, Courtney Otten from the Gallagher firm is on WebEx, and you've also entered her pro op. Okay, great. Uh, and thank you. And if there's someone who uh, has uh, filed a pro hoc uh, and we didn't get to it, uh, you are free to appear today. There's no need to ask me for permission. Um, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Ted Davidson from Hunt and Andrews Kurth. I'm here for the ad hoc first lien group. I am uh, joined by my colleague, Daniel Eggerman from Kramer Levin, who's going to appear virtually okay. at the hearing today. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Mr. Wang, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Howen for the U.S. Trustee. Okay. Anyone else wish to make an appearance in the Quora? Good afternoon. Good morning, Your Honor. Or good afternoon, Your Honor. I appreciate that. Marty Brimage with Aiken Gump, Strauss, Howenfeld. Here is proposed counsel for the Unsecured Creditors Committee. Oh, great. Um, it's good to be back in your courtroom, Your Honor. See you. I'm joined today by my colleague, Roxanne Tizravish. Good afternoon. I'm also joined virtually by my partner, Scott Alberino. And I believe, Your Honor, this is the first time for him to appear before this court. Okay. Good uh, so feel free to um, have fun with him. 
And last but not least, Your Honor, Mr. Dizengoff, who is, of course, the lead restructuring partner on the Alex Jones matter on behalf of the Unsecured Creditors Committee, is also part of our team. He's not here today because he's observing the Jewish holiday, but he asked me to tell you that he's looking forward to appearing in front of you, and he will see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Your Honor. Okay. There are, again, you can feel free to make an electronic appearance, and that will be noted. There are a number of parties who have requested to make an appearance, and I'll hit, yeah, I'm going to hit five star to a few of these, maybe in the future, especially as we get ready to potentially have evidentiary hearings. I'm going to ask that folks kind of start getting used to making the electronic appearance, and so that way we can save a little bit of time there. But it's important for today. It's an important hearing. So I'm going to unmute a 516 line. Your Honor, can you hear me? Just fine. Your Honor, this is Daniel Eggerman from Kramer 11 on behalf of the Advocate. Mr. Davidson just made an appearance for me, so my apologies. Thank you. No, 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 no. I'm glad you're on. And for anybody whose line I unmute, just please keep your phone on mute. I'm not going to kind of mute it again. I'm going to keep it unmuted. Okay. There's a 917 number. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Can you hear me okay? Just fine. Okay. Your Honor, Scott Greenberg, Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher on behalf of the Ad Hoc Secure Group, and I'm joined by my partner, Mr. Goldstein, on the line today. Okay. Great. Good afternoon. Okay. There is a 212 number. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Ross Burstenbaum from Wilmer Cutler Pickering, Hale & Dorr on behalf of the debtors, and with me is my law partner, Andy Goldman. Okay. Good afternoon. There's a 312 number. Good afternoon, Your Honor. It's Jamie Fidello of Kirkland Ellis on behalf of their broadcast group. Okay. Good afternoon. Okay. Gone a few times. I think I have covered everyone here. So let me turn things over to the debtors. Thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon again for the record. Ross Burstenbaum from Wilmer Hale, and I'll be speaking today on behalf of the debtors. It's possible that my law partner, Andy Goldman, might chime in as well. Your Honor, we're here for a status conference on the debtors' motion to adjourn the hearing date for two related motions. The first of those motions is the motion to compel filed by Major League Baseball, the Minnesota Twins, and the Cleveland Guardians. The second motion is the motion to compel filed by the Arizona Diamondbacks. The movements of those two motions seek to compel the debtors' immediate payment and assumption or rejection of contracts between the debtors and those three Major League Baseball teams. The movements sought a hearing on the merits of those motions on a so-called emergency basis for today, April 13th. The debtors filed an opposition to the portion of those motions that sought a hearing on an emergency basis and filed a motion to adjourn that hearing. Major League Baseball, the Twins, the Guardians, and the Diamondbacks filed objections to the debtors' motion to adjourn. 
and uh, the issues to be addressed at today's hearing um, are solely when the court will hear, uh, will hold the final hearing on those motions, and then uh, we would submit the set interim deadline uh, prior to the final hearing. Uh, we appreciate that the court designated today as a status conference. The contracts at issue here of these three Major League Baseball teams and the other 11 teams that the debtors have contracts with are at the core of these Chapter 11 cases. And that's something that's not in dispute. Major League Baseball itself says in its motion with the Twins and Guardians of Paragraph 5 that these contracts are the, quote, lifeblood of the debtors' RSN's business, end quote. And again, at paragraph 19, they say that the exclusive rights to broadcast the club's NLB games are, quote, essential to each debtor RSN's business, operations, and ability to function as a going concern, end quote. All the debtors seek in their motion to adjourn is to have a fair and reasonable opportunity to prevent, present a substantive opposition to these motions and to prepare adequately for an evidentiary hearing. That includes ensuring that the debtor's expert has sufficient time to review materials, including discovery obtained from Major League Baseball and the three teams in connection with the debtor's opposition. Now, Your Honor, I don't want to get too far into the merits today, as it's only a status conference, but I think it would be helpful for us to just briefly explain why gathering evidence including expert testimony, is necessary, and why this isn't a pure legal question as the movements have suggested. Uh, as the movements point out in their motions, the applicable legal standard is that there is a presumption that the contract amount is the amount that the debtor should pay as an administrative claim. But that is a presumption, as the movements themselves concede, one that can be rebutted with evidence. Evidence showing that the contract price for each of these contracts is unreasonable, or put differently, that the reasonable value of the, of the rights that the debtors are receiving pursuant to these contracts is materially less than the contract amount. Now, the debtors intend to provide this evidence to rebut the presumption. That evidence will include expert testimony identifying the reasonable value of the rights that the debtors are receiving from these contracts with the Twins, the Guardians, and the Diamondbacks. That amount we submit will be materially lower than the contract amount. The debtors also intend to seek limited discovery for Major League Baseball and the three teams necessary to resolve the factual issues here. The debtors understand that Major League Baseball has been talking with teams, presumably including these teams, about taking over the rights that Diamond has pursuant to these contracts and using it for itself. It's been well publicized, as my colleague Andy, uh, Mr. Goldman uh, identified during the first day hearing, that Major League Baseball has set up its own local media department to prepare to televise these games itself. Debtors uh, uh, believe that the Major League Baseball and the teams will have documents showing what they believe the value of these rights is today and potentially how much Major League Baseball is willing to pay to use these rights itself. That information would be highly relevant 
to a determination of what the real value of these contracts is today. Now, the debtors respectfully submit that uh, they would be okay having a final hearing on these motions on May 2nd. We understand that the court uh, is available on May 2nd, and that's basically two and a half weeks from, um, uh, from today. Um, we originally requested May 12th. Uh, we want to show that we are acting in good faith, that we're seeking only a reasonable period of time to respond to the motion. We're not seeking to unduly delay resolution of the motion. We are only seeking a fair and reasonable opportunity to gather evidence and to be heard. May 2nd would also candidly be a more convenient date for our experts uh, to testify than uh, May 12th. Now, movements have not presented any evidence, and there is no evidence, of any emergency that warrants an earlier hearing date. They allege vague assertions of cash flow issues, but they don't present any concrete evidence of an inability to make payroll or make any other payments in the interim two, two and a half week period that we're asking for. In fact, the affidavits in support of the motion are materially identical in terms of the actual facts uh, presented. Moreover, the debtors have offered to, pay, to put the full contract amount into escrow for the teams and the guardians. So the money will be available for those teams in the event that the court ultimately concludes that the debtors must pay the full contract amount. Of course, we believe that the court should reach a different outcome uh, at the end of the evidentiary hearing. Now, we also think that it makes sense today, Your Honor, to set interim deadlines so there are no surprises leading up to the hearing. Uh, local Rule 9013-2G um, would require the submission of an expert report on Friday, April 28th, and we would submit, uh, propose to submit our opposition to the motions along with the expert report on that date. Um, we are prepared to serve limited discovery requests, a document request, probably just one, to MLB and to each of the three teams, along with a deposition notice regarding, again, the value of these rights um, uh, today. Uh, we propose that Major League Baseball and teams would produce documents by next Friday, one week after we serve the request, and that we would conduct the depositions the following week between April 24th and April 27th. Now, we recognize that this is an extremely expedited schedule that's going to put a lot of burden on everyone, and frankly, for no real reason. So we weren't the ones asking for an emergency schedule. We're just trying to get this heard on a unreasonable time frame after obtaining the evidence necessary to oppose the motion. Counsel, can you just repeat? Yeah. I, I wrote the dates down. I, I just want to make a confirm. Uh, you would serve this. You proposed that that is serve discovery, and then you give me the discovery date and then the response date again. I just want to make sure I wrote it down. Yes. Of course, Your Honor. 
Um, we would propose to disturb our discovery request tomorrow, April 14th, that uh, responses and production be made a week later, Friday, April 21st. We would take the depositions Monday through Thursday, April 24th to 27th. Our opposition would be submitted on the 28th, and the hearing would be on May 2nd. Got it. Um, now, now, I know, and I want to be uh, clear with the court, that we're not trying to jam anybody. Um, we, we, there is a footnote in the Diamondbacks reply brief stating that um, uh, I, I, what they say is their fact witness, uh, who presumably would be testifying at the evidentiary hearing, is not available between May 1st and May 15th. Um, if that presents a problem, um, I would submit, Your Honor, that the reasonable thing to do would be to schedule the hearing for the week of May 16th. Um, when that witness is available, um, that would work for the debtors. Um, and we obviously could come up with a slightly um, uh, less expedited uh, discovery schedule that would get us to a hearing the week of May 16th. Okay. Um, the debtors also respectfully submit that it may make sense for the parties to try to mediate this dispute before the final hearing, whenever it may be. Uh, as my colleague Andy Goldman uh, previewed during the first day hearing, while the NBA and NHL and their teams have negotiated cooperatively and productively with Diamond pre-petition, uh, Major League Baseball took a different course. Uh, before we even reached a second-day hearing in the case, Major League Baseball and three of its teams initiated litigation over contracts that indisputably are core to the debtor's business and reorganization efforts. Other Major League Baseball teams, along with Major League Baseball, have raised other disputes with Diamond. Indeed, a standstill with one of those teams is scheduled to terminate later this week and may result in additional litigation very soon. And, of course, that's in addition to the broader issues with Major League Baseball that Mr. Goldman previewed. Major League Baseball continues to deprive the debtors of critical digital VTC rights to which the debtors believe they're entitled under these three and six other contracts. These issues are all intertwined, Your Honor, and the resolution of these issues is essential to the debtors' ability to successfully resolve these Chapter 11 cases on a reasonable timeline. So rather than spend money and professional fees in seriatim rounds of litigation with Major League Baseball on its teams, we submit the more economical course would be to try to resolve all of this up front with Major League Baseball and its teams together. The debtors would welcome the opportunity to mediate with Judge Isker, Judge Jones, or anyone else the court would think is appropriate. Um, and while I will let the first lien, second lien, and crossover creditors speak for themselves, I understand that they would be supportive of this approach. Thank you very much, Your Honor. Counsel, just one quick question, and I appreciate the statements. Is it possible that between now and let's just use the, the earliest date that you proposed, May 2nd, that other team, you know, there could be three other teams who could file a similar motion, or, or do you, are these kind of the teams that I need to be focused on? Uh, you, 
Your Honor, we believe there might be one more. But obviously, there are ongoing negotiations. I understand. It's not clear at this point in time. Okay. Thank you. Let me hear from the Office of the Commissioner. Me. And I just, come on up. I do recognize that there are some other folks who have hit five star. I promise to get to you, but I just want to hear from the party that requested the relief requested and then hear from everyone else. I promise to unmute a few more lines and I'll get to you. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Jim Bromley at Sullivan and Cromwell on behalf of the Office of the Commissioner of Major League Baseball, the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins. Thank you very much, Your Honor, for having us here today. We appreciate the fact that you put this on on such an expedited basis because it is a very important issue. I, Your Honor, could not disagree more with the recitation of facts that counsel for the debtors has laid before the court. The inference is that this is the entire situation that the debtor finds itself in. The challenges that the debtor faces are of the making of Major League Baseball and its clubs. Nothing could be further from the truth. These debtors are hopelessly insolvent. They have borrowed billions of dollars more than they can ever in a million years dream of repaying. The problems that they created are the ones that have brought them here to this court. None of those problems were created by Major League Baseball or its clubs. And what we're here today, Your Honor, about is about the fact that in the post-petition period, the debtors made a very conscious choice. They made a very conscious choice to not pay amounts when due to the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins. Those are post-petition administrative obligations that provide, yes, the lifeblood for two of the RSNs that are debtors in these cases. But, Your Honor, it's important to recognize that we are here in connection with Diamond Sports Group. Diamond Sports Group operates regional sports networks. They broadcast sports programming. Your Honor, I represent sports. The only content they have, they must pay for. If this was a company that made cornbread, they would have to pay for the corn. This is a company that broadcasts sports. They have to pay for the sports. We have unique, exclusive, and valuable intellectual property that is being used by these debtors every single day. Every single day, there's a Twins or a Cleveland Guardians game on TV being broadcast by these debtors. They are receiving revenue as a result of exploiting these intellectual property rights. The games that are played today and are not paid for, the games that were played yesterday and were not paid for, and the day before that were not paid for, we don't get those games back. We cannot rebroadcast them. And so, Your Honor, what did they do on April 1st? They simply didn't pay. They did not come to Your Honor and say, we don't think that the rights agreements are at a market rate or a reasonable rate, and therefore we want to reform those agreements. They simply didn't pay. Now, they paid six Major League Baseball clubs. They didn't pay two. And basically, on the first day of the month, 
every month throughout the baseball season, some variety of clubs are going to have to be paid or should be paid their administrative expense obligations to provide these debtors with their sole source of broadcasting rights. They have decided with respect to the Twins and the Guardians to not do it. They didn't call us up and say, we're not going to do it, but we think there's a, a, a smaller amount that we want to pay, and we're going to go to Judge Lopez and try to get Judge Lopez to allow us to pay a smaller amount. The reason we filed the motion to compel is we had no choice. These are administrative post-petition obligations pursuant to freely negotiated contracts with respect to unique intellectual property rights. This is not a lease. This is not some sort of executory contract or something that can be picked up off the street. The only thing that can be broadcast in the Cleveland area for Cleveland baseball fans are Cleveland Guardians games. And the same is true in Minnesota for the Twins. So for debtors to stand up here and somehow point a finger at Major League Baseball and its constituent clubs and say that we are responsible for the problems that they're facing or that we have put them at some kind of risk or tried to expedite things unnecessarily, it completely, completely misstates the record. So what we're trying to do, Your Honor, is to simply force the debtors to continue to pay the amounts that they have freely negotiated for this unique intellectual property. The idea that they have now said, well, this is subject to an evidentiary, it should be subject to an evidentiary hearing, and we need an expert. And that expert should file a report on a date that's a couple of weeks from now, and we'll have a hearing a couple of days later, and all we have is a little bit of discovery. Um, that is simply a delaying tactic, Your Honor. We approached the debtors and said, there's a legal question. We don't, disagree, we don't agree with your legal premise that you have a right to ask Judge Lopez to reform these contracts, to institute a new uh, amount that would be due. We don't believe you have the right to do that, and we don't believe that Judge Lopez has the ability to do that. So if that's your issue, pay us, and in the meantime, we can take that legal issue to Judge Lopez, and we can litigate on that. We can write briefs on that, we can argue about it, and we can then have a decision on it. And if there's a decision, one which we will disagree with, that says that Your Honor has the ability to reform these two contracts, then, and only then, would it be appropriate to look at what would be necessary to reform those contracts, what amount might be able to be paid or should be paid. And yes, there would be discovery with respect to that. And the discovery goes both ways. Because, Your Honor, these debtors have um, contracts with uh, National Hockey League teams, National Basketball Association teams, and Major League Baseball teams except for the three teams that are represented in this courtroom today, the debtors have paid the contractual rate for every one of them. They stood up on the first day and told you that they're going to pay everything with respect to the NHL and the NBA. As to, the, as to MLB and its clubs, they very consciously didn't tell you what they were going to do. They've submitted a budget in support of their cash collateral motion that has no detail whatsoever as to who's going to be paid and who isn't. So what we do every week is sit down and try to figure out, are we going to get paid? Are our clubs going to get paid? How are we going to do this? Major League Baseball's uh, opening day was less than two weeks ago. There are over, there are 162 games per team 
And with respect to these contracts, over 150 games in these local jurisdictions are going to be broadcast. They have to be broadcast for these fans. Now, the debtors then say, well, you know, Major League Baseball has set up some office to figure out some way to broadcast these games. Why have we done that? Of course we've done it. Because these debtors have borrowed $10 billion and they have no hope of paying it back. And we've been in negotiations with them for two full years about what they're going to do and whether they're going to be able to perform. In your honor, never have they told us anything that would convince us they're going to be able to perform. So the idea here, Your Honor, that Major League Baseball is somehow responsible for these debtors' problems is simply a fantasy. The idea that we have put steps in place to broadcast games in the event that these debtors fall down on their jobs, as they have done over and over and over again, is simply responsible, responsible actions taken by the Office of the Commissioner as well as the teams. Major League Baseball will not allow the fans of baseball in the United States not to be able to be able to not watch their games. That will happen. And until the debtors have provided some concrete evidence that we can depend on them, that they have the money to actually perform and pay all the amounts as and when due, we have a responsibility to the entire American public to do exactly that, to be ready at a moment's notice to broadcast every one of these games. And we will do that and have done it. We will continue to do it. The idea that we would somehow mediate this issue is fantasy. It's never going to happen. We will not agree to it. There's nothing to be mediated. If there's a legal determination that we have to put on evidence, we will put on evidence. But, Your Honor, that issue is completely separate from the evidence. If there's going to be discovery in this, we're going to take discovery of the debtors. And we're going to find out the decision-making process that's process that they went through to determine that every single other contract that they have with a major league sports team is reasonable and these three are not, we're going to find out why. Because that would be important to Your Honor in terms of deciding what would be reasonable or not. And of course, Your Honor, with all due respect, we don't believe that's your job. These debtors, their prior management and this existing management have made and continue to make decisions to perform with respect to the contracts that they signed and are bound to. We're not in a situation where they have the ability to pick and choose to decide what they are going to pay with respect to our teams at any particular moment in time. If that was the case, Your Honor, the entire bankruptcy world would be thrown upside down. When Sears was in bankruptcy, you know why Sears went into bankruptcy? It's because I didn't go and buy anything at Sears, and neither did hundreds of thousands and millions of Americans. But did that mean that the bankruptcy judge in Sears had a right to tell me that I needed to go and buy a lawnmower at my local Sears to keep them in business? No. The same idea that these debtors have the right to tell Major League Baseball and its clubs that the freely negotiated contracts should be readjusted because they've come to some, or their expert has come to some market determination as to what is reasonable under the circumstances. What is reasonable under the circumstances is that these debtors live up to the contracts that they agreed to and have performed under for years. And if they can't do it, they have a very clear right under the bankruptcy code. That right is to decide to reject the contract. I talk to clients all the time and I say one of the fundamental issues that is presented by the U.S. Bankruptcy Code 
is that you can look at the good contracts and assume them, and you can look at the bad contracts and reject them. And you have the right, with respect to the bad contracts, to go and say, you know what, I'll assume that contract if you adjust A, B, and C. What we don't have is some blanket right to go in and say, I'm going to keep your contract, and I'm going to pay you what I think or some expert thinks or some court thinks is a reasonable price for what you're delivering. There's some case law that I'm sure the debtors are going to cite to that says that in certain limited, restricted circumstances, courts have done that. They have never done it with the sort of fundamental, unique, exclusive intellectual property rights that are embedded within every one of these rights agreements. The debtors simply have no right to do what they're doing. If they want to argue that right, then put in the briefing, let us put in the briefing, and only then, separated from this charade of discovery and expedited expert testimony, should we then move to evidence. To con conflate the two, evidence and the law on this issue, gives the debtors a victory right off the bat. The debtors have no right to do what they're doing. They, debtors have no right to simply come to April 1st and decide not to pay the amounts. And then when we come to court and say, hey, you didn't pay it, you better pay it. And if you're not going to pay it, you have to reject it, to then come before your honor with outrage and say that it's our fault for being here. It is their fault for not paying the amounts that they had an obligation to pay. It is bankruptcy 101. You get into the post-petition period, you pay your administrative expenses. The debtors would like to rewrite that and make it, there's a choice. The debtors don't have a choice to renegotiate how much they're going to pay for the salaries that they pay to their employees, for the, uh, the service providers who are out at the games um, uh, uh, broadcasting. They don't have, if, if the debtors' view of the bankruptcy code was right, the bankruptcy judge in their case, you, Your Honor, would have not only the right, but the obligation to go through the entirety of their balance sheet and assess what the reasonable amounts are. If the debtors have a broken business model, it is not the fault of Major League Baseball. And the idea that they compare Major League Baseball to the National Hockey League and the NBA and say, they're the good guys, but Major League Baseball are the bad guys is simply incorrect. We have negotiated with these debtors for two years before the bankruptcy took place, and in the post-petition period, we have continued to do so. The idea that, the, that Major League Baseball is in some ivory tower in New York refusing to engage at all with the debtors is simply untrue. False. A false narrative It is not the case. The debtors don't have answers. That's the problem. That's not our fault. Your Honor, we believe that if anything should happen in this case, we should be able to go forward on our motion to compel as soon as the court has time on its calendar to the extent that the debtor's point of view is that they believe that they have a legal right to ask you to reform these contracts, our view is that should be briefed first before evidence takes place. In terms of dates, what do you have any dates in mind that you think may work? If we were going to do simply the bifurcated legal argument, May 2nd is fine. If we're going to be doing a, a blend of evidence and, um, and law, uh, May 2nd is simply too early, and the debtors know that. Okay. And we would have to talk with them about a reasonable schedule. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. 
Anyone else in the courtroom wish to be heard? And then I'll go online. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Uh, Dale Sheehan of Gallagher and Kennedy, appearing on behalf of AZPB Limited Partnership, doing business as the Arizona Diamondbacks. Thank you. Thank you for accommodating us on, on, on this short, short schedule. Uh, we do not ask for emergency or expedited uh, motions lightly, but we do think this is a matter that should concern all of the parties. We, yes, the Diamondbacks would like to be paid. The Diamondbacks are uh, the, for two weeks now. Opening day was two weeks ago today. For two weeks, the debtors have been broadcasting the Diamondbacks games, and they're presumably collecting uh, fees from the, the providers who pay them for the fees, sponsorship fees. There's revenue associated that the debtors have been collecting with those games. I've read the cash collateral motion, the, uh, the cash management motions, they appear to be collected in a concentration account and, and collected uh, subject to numerous liens and priorities. Uh, this, But what's happening is the debtors aren't paying for their cost of goods. It's really easy to make money running a business if your cost of goods is zero. And the debtors are treating their cost of goods in this case as though it were zero, even though everyone knows that it's not. The budget that was put before you is simply a cash. Here's how much cash we have. Here's how much we're going to collect. Here's how much we're going to spend, and this is our ending cash balance. We have requested, uh, both, in, both informally and in writing, a more detailed budget to show exactly what's in there, but we've not received that. And so the budget we have in this case is about six columns long. It's one of the most abbreviated cash collateral budgets I've ever seen it does not appear to take into account the accrual of just the three teams here today. We're talking tens of millions of dollars of administrative costs that are accruing in this case every time it broadcasts the game for these three teams. And they're not accounted for anyplace. That ought to concern the committee. It ought to concern other creditors. It ought to concern the court. And even the consistent way, there's fundamental rules that you live with in, in this courtroom and in all bankruptcy courtrooms. Yes, you can reject burdensome contracts, but as you are operating, you have to pay your costs of operation. Debtors are not permitted to just keep digging in deeper and deeper. And in this case, we have no idea. They haven't disclosed. There's In all of the first-day motions, declarations, I think I've been through uh, I or someone in my office have been through all of them. They don't disclose what they're not paying. They disclose that they made a decision to pay the Diamondback, not to pay the Diamondbacks pre-petition, but they didn't disclose what that accruing obligation is on the contract. It's in our, we, we filed that portion of the motion. Thank you for letting us file that under seal, the economic terms. But we note in, in our motion to compel which we filed April 6th at, at docket 303. We noted the amount of those uh, accruing fees on a, on a per game basis. It's in paragraph 34 of, of that motion on page 8. We note every time they broadcast a game, 
here's how much of an administrative expense accrues under the contract. And I will concede for purposes of argument today, I don't think it's an accurate statement of the law, but let's assume that there's authority to modify what they have to pay under that contract. The presumption is that it's the amount set forth in the contract. And so for the Diamondbacks and the Guardians and the Twins, as they broadcast those games, it would be a detriment to everyone involved in this case for the debtor to believe that they can use these broadcast rights post-petition and maybe they won't have to pay for them or maybe they can pay something less than the presumed amount due under the contract. And if you, it's been going on for two weeks now. The opening day was exactly two weeks uh, ago. And we're going, by May 2nd, another couple weeks will accrue. Uh, through the original, I, did, I don't have the, uh, I wasn't prepared for the May 2nd date. Through the May 12th date that, that was requested, they would have broadcast 39 games through May 12th. That's a, a huge uh, administrative fee when you multiply it by the per game amount reflected in paragraph 34 of our motion. So let me focus on what I think are areas of agreement. If the debtors need until April 28th to file a response, okay, that's fine. I mean, we'll, we'll work on scheduling. If they have expert uh, testimony or reports ready to exchange on April 28th, okay, uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to see them, see whatever, whatever they have. That will help us frame the issues. If uh, we were led to believe that with respect to the Diamondbacks, fair market value is not an issue. The, the Diamondbacks contract is at market. I heard What I heard on the phone today was something slightly different. I understand positions change. The debtors may have, have changed their position. That's fine. I just need to know what the position is. I can't respond and prepare an expert or, or be prepared to present evidence when I don't know what the issues are. So if they need until April 28th to join the issues, okay, that's fine. And we can turn it around on May 2nd um, and, uh, and be prepared to come here and have argument on May 2nd. I'm not going to tell you that I can find out what their position is on the 28th and within a week come down here and try and present evidence on that issue. But if I know what their position is on the 28th, I can be prepared to, to talk about the, the legal issues with you on, on the second. There is an interim benchmark, though, that I don't want to lose sight of. Uh, there's a hearing scheduled next Wednesday. The, uh, the debtor's cash collateral motions, first day motions, were continued from today until next Wednesday. We were agreeable to continuing this date to, to uh, that day also, but uh, as it worked out, it gives us an opportunity to to come in and see what's going on. These same issues are going to arise on the 19th. Uh, MLB, the commissioner's office, uh, joined by the teams, have filed a limited objection to the use of cash collateral. And, that, and the, the Diamondbacks didn't file a separate objection, but they are part of the, the commissioners. Uh, we've tried not to duplicate filings. There's enough paper in this case. But we, uh, the same issues arise in the in connection with the use of cash collateral next Wednesday in terms of is it appropriate 
for the debtors to collect revenue from these broadcast rights, add it to the sequestered cash collateral, but not pay on a current basis the cost of generating those broadcast rights. So there is going to be another hearing related to these issues, but I'm fine with the April 28th as a response and May 2nd for a hearing specific to these motions. But now let's talk about whether or not there's an emergency. And I heard what debtors counsel suggested, and there's a part of it that I agree, and I think counsel for the commissioner agreed with it too. It's not essential to have a hearing, assuming we get by the legal issue, and that we need to take evidence on the reasonable value of the contracts. It's not essential to have an evidence or to have a trial on that issue on two days or two weeks or even two months' notice. I mean, that is not a central issue. We know what the presumptive rate is. And until we can do some, if the debtors want to come in and say, hey, we think it's something less than this, they can set that up, brief it, file whatever they're going to file, and assuming that it's not decided on the papers, we can have a trial on that. That can happen any time in the case. Now, there's kind of an outside date, because at some point they either have to assume or reject the contracts. So it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to say, oh, yes, the market rate is 90% of the face rate, but when you go to assume it, you've got a cure and you're stuck with the terms of the contract. I'm not sure of the end game there, but we can have that argument whenever it's appropriate. What needs to happen until then is that the debtors need to disclose and to make a provision for the ultimate payment of the accruing administrative expenses. You heard that they've offered to sequester the money for the twins and the guardians. They're using the Diamondbacks' rights post-petition also. They haven't offered to sequester or to set those funds aside. And that's one of the things that would be appropriate. Before all of the revenues are taken as cash collateral by what appear to be severely undersecured creditors, the cost of generating that revenue ought to be set aside. So that's the emergency, is the fact that we have these accruing administrative expenses that are not being addressed. This is an ongoing basis. It ought to be of concern to everyone. If the debtors are going to make a conscious decision not to pay their post-petition obligations consistent with the requirements of the code and the rules before this court, they ought to disclose that. They ought to let us know, hey, by the way, we're continuing to buy this service. We're continuing to get electricity from the power company, but we've decided we're not going to pay the bill until somebody makes us pay the bill. There needs to be disclosure and there needs to be provision made for all of the debtors' costs of goods. That's the emergency. That's a matter that can be addressed today. This is only a status here. It could be addressed in connection with cash collateral next week or maybe May 2nd. But until that happens, we need to have a hearing on this issue. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. The case will be submitted.
But at that point, we look and say, is there a good reason to allow these debtors to continue to operate without at least acknowledging and sequestering or making provision for payment of all of their post-petition expenses? Uh, so to summarize, I'm okay with the scheduling if it's not evidentiary on, on May 2nd, uh, if, unless the court has questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good afternoon again, Your Honor. Marty Brimage is proposed counsel for the committee. Your Honor, two big picture points. Um, I realize this is the main event for the status conference, but I'd respectfully request when we're done with this issue, I'd like to address the court and get a give a status update on what the committee is up to. Okay. But that's coming in a minute. Now for the main event. Um, it's not often that I'm accused of being the voice of reason, but I'm going to try. Um, and I note that the court is laughing. Um, <laughs> acknowledges that my statement is true. Um, so I, I think we have a real dispute here. And I, the, the committee sees it. We're, we're drinking out of a fire hose. We're getting up to speed. But we see the dispute. Um, what we really want is this to get resolved and resolved in a very productive way on behalf of the debtor and, and everybody involved. What I see that's happened here, though, I think we need a little more time. And, and I think everybody's kind of agreed to that. I think everybody should have the opportunity to get the stuff done that they want to get done for this hearing, and I think we're getting close. The bid and the ask here in my mind is May the 2nd on a legal argument hearing or May the 16th on an evidentiary hearing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose that the May 16th is the way to go, but let me explain why. I'm not really picking sides. If we get to the May 2nd and we haven't done all this discovery and we have a legal issue hearing and you rule, hey, um, I, I want to go ahead and see if they can put forth evidence to rebut this presumption, which we've all heard is rebuttable. There's a presumption, but it's rebuttable. Then I think we're into an evidentiary hearing. I think we ought to go ahead and get loaded for all that, schedule all that out, and have one hearing on the 16th. You can hear the legal issue, but I think it's already been admitted a couple of times that the presumption is rebuttable, and then have an evidentiary hearing where the debtors can take the discovery they want, Major League Baseball and the, and the ball clubs can take the discovery they want, and we can have an organized evidentiary hearing. We can take care of it all at once. Um, in my mind, that seems the way to go. It also does this, Your Honor. This case is pretty, pretty early in the early, early stages. Um, the parties need to talk. I think they've been talking. I think they need to continue to talk. It is possible, I, I won't give you percentage or odds because I don't know, that this could all get resolved by May the 16th. But maybe it doesn't, and if it doesn't, that's what you're here for. But from the UCC standpoint, we think more discussions need to be had, and more discussions on these disputed issues, and frankly, some bigger picture issues. And that allows the time for that to happen if you were to set some kind of schedule like that. When it comes to acceptance or rejection, I would just simply say this, it's way too early in this case to force that. I know that's the alternative relief being sought. There may come a time when that's the appropriate relief, but, Your Honor, I just think it's way, way too early in these cases for this debtor to have to have to make those decisions. So with that, Your Honor, we respectfully request that the court, I, I'm not even sure what, if you're granting a motion or denying a motion, I'm not sure exactly how that works because it seems like they're a little bit competing. But let's go ahead and set a, a May 16th or May 17th evidentiary hearing. Let's have it all brief. Let's let the parties get the discovery they want. Get, get the stuff that they need to get to have the, the hearing that they want to have and, and give them an opportunity to talk. 
And with that, Your Honor, let me just say this about mediation, because I think mediation was proposed. As you well know, I and Aiken are always supportive of alternative dispute resolution processes, always. Having said that, it seems a little peculiar right now in this case. We're not even sure what all the disputes are. I understand there's more coming from other ball clubs. I don't know what they are. I don't even know the parameters. So I think we need a little bit more time. Maybe we head to mediation in the near future, I'm not sure. But I think we need to let this play out a little bit more. One, see if the parties can't resolve it on their own. But two, let's identify what all the issues are that would need to be resolved and then address it at that point in time. And with that, Your Honor, I'm happy to answer any questions you have. And otherwise, I'm, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let me turn to the phone. There is one line I need to unmute, and it's a 713 number. Let's see. Your, your Honor? Yes. Your Honor, this is Daniel Eggerman from Kramer 11. Um, I'm happy to address the court now or uh, wait. Just give me a second. Mr. Eggerman, I'm going to call you in a second. I just want to unmute a couple of lines so that I can keep track of. There's a 713 number I'm going to unmute right now. Just if make sure you wish to. You wanted to speak or just make an appearance? Your Honor, uh, this is Bruce Rosinski from the Jackson Walker Firm. Uh, I was just uh, making an appearance uh, and uh, introducing my co-counsel. Uh, we're here for the National Basketball Association and its member teams. And my co-counsel is uh, Mr. Vincent Indelicato from the Proscow Firm. Okay. Good afternoon. Thank you. Okay. Sorry, just give me a second. Uh, Okay, Mr. Eggerman, let me hear from you, sir. Thank you, Your Honor. Again, uh, Daniel Eggerman from Kramer Levin on behalf of the ad hoc group of first lien lenders. And pardon the interruption in the past. We proceeded in the order of lien priority, so I figured we may as well uh, do that again. So thank you for the opportunity to speak. Uh, I will be brief. I don't intend to address the merits, uh, nor do I intend to address the issues raised with respect to cash collateral. Those are on for, for next week. We... We recognize the importance of the issues presented by the various motions to compel payment, uh, both to the debtors as well as to the teams in Major League Baseball. From the debtors' perspective, we are sensitive to the debtors' need for time to evaluate their executory contracts and prepare their go-forward business plan within the time constraints afforded them by the Bankruptcy Code and its breathing spell. From the teams and the league's perspective, we are sensitive to the concerns they've expressed over liquidity. To that end, we think the uh, approach being proposed by the debtors makes sense. That is, current payment to the teams in an amount determined by the court based on the actual value of the relevant rights provided to the debtors' estates. I, I disagree with the assertion that the debtors are asking the court to reform the contract. I don't see the debtors asking that at all. All they're asking the court to do is to give them time to assume or reject. If they assume, they'll have to cure all the faults. If they reject, there'll be an admin claim and maybe some rejection damages claim for, for pre-petition damages. But all they're asking to do now is to fix the amount of the admin claim based on the value of the estate, uh, based on the value of the contract to the estates, which they will pay currently. That should solve the cash collateral issue, but we'll deal with that next week. And while setting the value of the admin claim sounds simple in theory, we recognize that arriving at that number in and of itself and involve a time-consuming, expensive, and litigious process, as you've just heard from the debtors' counsel laying out a very aggressive, um, expedited 
broad discovery schedule. So from, from our perspective as the secured lenders here, to the extent the mediation process, and I'm gonna, I, I guess I'm going to disagree a little bit with the UCC. I, if, if, if the mediation process could facilitate a more expeditious and cost-effective cost resolution uh, of, of these motions as well as the broader issues between the debtors, Major League Baseball, and its various teams, then we would be supportive of that process sooner rather than later. Um, if, again, if the parties aren't willing to mediate and we need to go down this uh, litigation route, well, we're, we're, we're supportive of the debtors and their, and their proposed schedule. So unless Your Honor has any questions for me, I will uh, pass the vote. Thank you. Anyone else wish to be heard? Uh, Mr. Greenberg? Uh, your Honor, can you hear me? Just yeah. fine. Uh, hey, Your Honor. Uh, your Honor okay, great. Your Honor, Scott Greenberg, again, for the record, Gibson Benning Crutcher on behalf of the Ad Hoc Secured Lender Group and following in, as, as Mr. Eggerman said, in order of priority, and I'm probably going to piggyback on some of what you heard from Mr. Eggerman as well, so it's uh, good timing. Uh, just just real quick, as Your Honor will recall, we represent a group of secured lenders that own approximately $125 million of first lien and about $3.14 billion of second lien. And along with, we will hear from next, the, the Paul Hastings PJT group, uh, we're parties to the RSA uh, that was filed with the court at the first day. And, and Your Honor, as I, as I said at the first day hearing, uh, we've actually we come at this from a little bit of a different perspective because we've been involved in this. Uh, situation since late 2020, early 2021, uh, and as Your Honor heard and saw in the first day declaration and pleadings, we, we were the party that backstopped the $635 million of new money financing that came in in March of 2022. Um, so for better or for worse, uh, we're kind of intimately familiar with the debtor's business challenges, the transition to DTC or direct-to-consumer, the cord-cutting issue, and, and candidly, the importance of the team in the leagues to this company and its future. Um, Your Honor, the capital structure, this is an odd case, at least in my experience, in the sense that you have a, a massive capital structure, as Mr. Bromley alluded to. Uh, but in some ways, that's kind of the easy part uh, of this case. And as you've seen through the RSA, uh, the secured and the unsecured parties, the crossover group represented by Paul Hastings, um, agreed to equitize a very substantial portion of those funded debt obligations, you know, in excess of $8 billion. So I don't think it's completely accurate that um, the debtors can, quote-unquote, ever pay back all these, this debt because, candidly, in some ways they're not. Right? We're, we're equitizing the debt. Uh, but nonetheless, Your Honor, uh, it's not lost on us. As we've been around this for several years. Um, that the negotiations with the leagues, the teams, and eventually the MVPDs, uh, are very much uh, critical to the future of the business. And, and I will say, you know, with all due respect to, to my colleagues around the table, we really haven't made much progress on that front over the last couple of years. So I, I'm going to go at this from 10,000 feet and say, putting aside the precise issue about the admin claim and what's the proper rate of the admin claim and what's the right time for payment, I mean, we have to deal with that at some point in time. Um, but I have a very strong inclination, and I, I think you can feel it from the temperament in the room, that this is going to quickly devolve into a litigation morass. Uh, and I, so where I'm picking up on Mr. Edgerman's commentary is I do think that this is a case that kind of screams for mediation on these issues, and hopefully early. And, and look, as we all know from practical experience, mediation doesn't always create the result that you know stops the case, but I think it makes sense to try it sooner rather than later because your honor asked the question earlier are there more teams that are going to show up my sneaking suspicion is 
as the debtor makes decisions to pay or not people pay or not pay certain teams and clubs, there's absolutely going to be more motion practice in this case, and there's absolutely going to be more litigation in this case. And so, I recognize Mr. Bromley said, you know, in in those circumstances or whatever. I don't want to miss Mr. Quote misquote Mr. Bromley, but obviously was not receptive to the idea of mediation. Uh, I, I would say uh, I echo Mr. Eggerman's comments. I, I think it's going to be necessary, Your Honor. It's just a question of when we end up there. Um, so with that, Your Honor, I, I just wanted to give a little context from a group that's been heavily involved and in, in has kind of seen the progress or lack thereof, candidly, uh, as it relates to the leagues over the last several years. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, Your Honor, if I can uh, make a few brief remarks and reply, um, I Let me just make sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't know if there was anyone else that wished to be heard that has not spoken yet on the issue. If not, I will turn it back over to you. Wait, there's one. Has a two one two number on meeting. Just unmuted a line. Does that party wish to be heard? Uh, sorry, Your Honor. Can you hear me? Just fine. Oh, terrific. Um, again, for the record, Cheyenne Bhattacharya, Paul Hastings, on behalf of the Ad Hoc Crossover Group. Um, like, like Mr. Greenberg's clients, we've been, uh, <laughs> we, we represent a, a significant amount of the funded debt holders uh, in the structure, a majority of the unsecured bonds, a significant amount of the second lien debt in the structure, and, and also uh, first lien debt in the structure. Um, we have also been at this uh, for, for some period of time. So, well, it's a, it's a month into the case, so very, very early in the case from, from that perspective. The background of these negotiations uh, extends for a long time. I won't repeat uh, all the arguments uh, and, and points that have been raised. I just wanted to echo that from our perspective in terms of the timing, uh, I think we can we concur with the, with the committee's views in terms of the, the scheduling, but uh, also the, the, the points raised by Mr. Greenberg and Mr. Eggerman in terms of where this is going, and, uh, you know, we would support uh, similarly support, um, you know, the, uh, a direction towards, uh, or the key the resolution here is being uh, mediated. Thank you. Sure. Go ahead. Your Honor, Marty Brimage here is uh, proposed counsel for the UCC. I just want to clarify my comment about mediation. Um, one of the things I said is we may be heading there um, and I wanted to just clarify what I meant by that. I think as this develops on over the next week or two, as we head into, depending on when you decide, a May hearing, certainly a May 16th hearing, if that's what we were looking at, it may very well be that that might be a time where mediation could be beneficial because the parties would have conducted their discovery. They will have a little more crystal clear view of what the disputes are. Um, and so that might very well be the time. So I didn't want to leave the court with the impression that I think we think mediation is never appropriate for this. I just think right here now today. But but it may very well be where we're heading, and it may very well be useful. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let me hear from the debtor again. Uh, thank you, Your Honor. Just um, four points. Uh, first, um, Mr. Bromley um, spoke about uh, the debtor's so-called uh, being hopelessly insolvent. Um, for the purposes of this motion and the so-called emergency um, uh, that MLB and the teams are asserting, you just have to look at paragraph 26 of Major League Baseball's own motion where they say, quote, there is no 
debtor's inability to pay administrative fees as they come due. All currently available evidence indicates that the debtors have sufficient financing to pay all current administrative expenses, period, end quote. So there is no emergency. And in fact, I believe I heard from the Diamondbacks that once you get past the so-called legal question, and I submit there, there is none, and, and there's been, I think, consensus among the room today that there is no um, legal uh, dispute here. Um, uh, that we could go weeks or even months, I believe the Diamondback said, before we get to an evidentiary hearing. We're not suggesting we go months, but um, I think it's come out of that argument today that there really is no emergency and that having an evidentiary hearing the week of May 16th um, would be sufficient to resolve these issues. Um, second, um, bifurcation does not make any sense because there there is no pure legal question that will resolve this. Um, Major League Baseball, again, admits the issue. At paragraph 15 of their motion, they say, quote, finally, courts make the presumption that administrative expenses are valued at the rate set forth in the underlying contract as freely negotiated between the parties. First, the legal standard is that it's a presumption. And the cases hold that it is a presumption of reasonableness unless the objector introduces convincing evidence to the contrary. That's the home interiors and gifts case and the ACES capital management case from the uh, bankruptcy court in the Northern District of Texas. It is a rebuttable presumption that is rebuttable of evidence. And so what we don't need is a oral argument on legal issues. What we need is an evidentiary hearing on factual issues as to whether there is evidence to rebut the presumption. And we respectfully submit that there is. Third, um, and, and, and frankly, finally, um, what is different between Major League Baseball on the one hand and NBA and NHL? Well, Your Honor, I'll tell you one concrete difference. The NBA and the NHL have granted the debtors the right to use the DCC rights in the contracts with those teams. Here, for nine of the teams, including the three teams that we're talking about today, the debtors have the contractual right to use those rights. The contracts say that if Major League Baseball makes those rights available to the teams, and there's no dispute that Major League Baseball has done so, that the teams, quote, shall grant, shall grant those rights to the debtor. The only standard that Major League Baseball has put in place is that the, that Diamond must receive fair market value, sorry, Diamond must pay fair market value to the teams in order to have those rights. There is no dispute, or there shouldn't be any dispute, that Diamond is paying fair market value to the debtors and to the to the teams. In fact, as we're going to show at the evidentiary here, we're paying, paying much more than fair market value. And so Major League Baseball should have approved the teams grant of those rights to us to use. And that is the major the major problem here. They haven't done so. And so diamonds and debtors are not getting the full value that they bargained for under these contracts. 
That is not the only reason, but it is a large part of the reason why this presumption is going to be rebutted after a full evidentiary hearing. And that is the difference between Major League Baseball and the NBA and NHL. And we look forward to an evidentiary hearing where we can expand on these concepts more fully. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. So here's what we're going to do, folks. I, I have heard and read all the papers, and I very much appreciate uh, holding a status conference today. Um, I think it was really important to just hear from the parties, um, understand the issues a little better, um, and understand timing a bit better. I thought it made sense for me to hear from everyone um, rather than just ruling on the papers on, on an issue like this of great importance. Um, what has certainly come out um, from the papers and also from hearing everyone today is the importance of these issues. Um, they've been, parties have been talking for quite some time. Uh, it sounds like those discussions have not yielded um, anything fruitful yet. Um, and they may need me to decide uh, the issue, um, which is fine. I think what the prudent course is for me to pick one day, have one hearing, consider everything everyone wants to say, and I'll be ready to rule on that day. Um, I think May 2nd is based upon everything that I'm hearing. It seems way too early. Um, I don't think there's need for an expedited hearing on, on the issue, but at the same time, I think we can hold something in May. Um, and the parties can work backwards from there. I, you know, I think the debtors, uh, the motion was filed on May 5th. I think the debtors can file their response by April April 28th. I think the debtors can file their response by then. They'd probably be required to do so anyway. Uh, and I think that's appropriate. Um, I'm looking at my calendar. Parties can tell me what makes more sense. I'd, I'd like to start early and just give everyone a full day. And I'm looking, uh, maybe we need it, maybe we don't, but at least you have it. Um, thinking May 19th or May 30th, and we can work backwards from there. Um, and I can figure out when you, I think, you know, expert reports, and I, I think, you know, if MLB and the teams want to serve some discovery they should be entitled to uh, as well. Obviously, this is an important issue for them. Games are currently being played, and I'm really sensitive to that. Um, I think everyone's arguments, everything's on the table. So, um, you know, what I don't want to do is rule on a legal issue and then decide either that one or more of the teams uh, I'd want to hear some evidence on it. I just think we ought to pick one day, everyone show up. We have the entire day and I'll be prepared to rule on that day. Um, and so, um, you know, I can, I can pencil in the 19th or the 30th, but I don't know what folks' schedules look like uh, and what, what makes sense. I do think at a minimum the editors can file um, and serve their discovery now, but I do think in terms of expert reports, y'all can figure out if we're, if we're going on the 19th or the 30th, uh, or the 31st, I should say. The 29th is Memorial Day, and that may jam some folks, so I want to
be sensitive to that. So maybe the 31st, that Wednesday the 31st, uh, Friday the 19th, or Wednesday, May 31st, I think would be the two days. Um, and I think, you know, that may require the parties to talk to, check availability of an expert or, or witnesses or when folks can travel. But I think you can work backwards from, from those days. Um, I think going past May, uh, one, you know, someone has filed a motion and this will put it on full notice so it wouldn't we would avoid the issue of whether there's emergency relief that would be requested or not I, I would consider any party that filed a motion and asked for their for a hearing date um, so I think that takes care of that issue um, but I don't want to go into June with any kind of confusion um, for the MOB or for these teams or any other teams about uh, my views on um, you know the administrative expense that the debtors would have to pay in this estate. It's early in the case. Um, and I think it'd be appropriate for me to rule on it, but I'd rule that day. At least I'd be prepared to do so. Um, so y'all tell me. As for mediation, obviously I think mediation can be incredibly beneficial, um, but the parties have to want it, and so. I won't force it upon anyone, uh, but if it turns out that someone uh, thinks it's a good idea and other, others agree that it makes sense to do so and all parties are in agreement, then I think you all know how to reach out to Judge Jones or Judge Isker. Um, and if everybody's in agreement to do something either now, and I'm saying this now or in the future, quite frankly for any other case, um, I won't stand in the way of parties trying to resolve their, their issues that way. So, uh, But it sounds like we're not there today, and I'm not going to force it on anyone. So um, let's pick a date, and I'll be ready to rule uh, on that day. I don't know what makes more sense, the, the 31st or the 19th. Um, my preference would be the 31st, um, but that may not make sense for the parties and, and everyone else. Um, I think that gives everyone a full and fair opportunity to get all the discovery and avoids having to come back here and ask for additional time. If To me, that gives everyone essentially, you know, debtors would have to file their papers by the 28th and essentially giving everyone, um, you know, give the teams, you know, an opportunity to file a reply. You know, they could file that reply by, you know, you know, if we went, if we went on the 31st, they could file their reply by the 19th, right? It'll give them some time and we can have the issues ready to go um, held an evidentiary hearing. But you all tell me if that makes sense. And if we need to pick another date, I'm completely open to it. But those are the two days that I know I have, I have complete availability and I can block off an entire day. Um, and I want to be sensitive because I know that there's multiple parties. So I'm not going to jam anyone. We're going to pick a day that works for everyone. And and, and we'll start early and we'll, we'll go till we're done. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, I'm receiving some reports from our side that, that there are conflicts on May 19th, but May 31st um, appears to work for the debtors. Okay. Um, and I, I I don't want to get into when discovery would have to – I mean, it, I'll do it if you – I can pick dates, but I'm not sure how much time and how much discovery the parties need. I'm, I think the parties can work backwards from those dates, and we've got sophisticated parties. Y'all can work that out. If not – 
you can submit something to me and I'll pick it. But um, if the 31st works for the parties, we would start at 9 a.m. and be ready to go. Um, we can do it hybrid or in person. I, I leave that completely up to the parties. So, Mr. Brown. Your Honor, um, uh, Jim Bromley of Sullivan and Cromwell again on behalf of Major League Baseball, the Guardians and the Twins. Um, I, I've just been consulting the counsel to the Diamondbacks. It tells me that he will be out of the country on the 19th. So um, while I would pr much prefer the 19th, um, it sounds like we, the 31st is probably the date that works. We have a strong preference to in person. Your okay. Honor. No, no, let's do it in person. Um, but I, I do think there's an issue that we need to address. In the meantime, I certainly appreciate your, your Honor's views. Um, but um, there is the uh, what happens in the meantime. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I was getting to there. <laughs> um, and so, Your Honor, um, the, the debtors had um, uh, said that they were going to put the, a full amount of contract uh, rates uh, in escrow uh, for the unpaid amounts. Um, the, the Guardians and the Twins and Major League Baseball, respectively, suggest that the amount should simply be paid uh, to the teams. Um, the, um, we disagree vehemently with the idea that there's no emergency here. Um, there is on a daily basis, as I said, the intellectual property being used and nothing's being paid. And uh, you cannot pay uh, your stadium staff or your, uh, your uh, friend office staff or your team with escrow. Um, if, uh, if, the, um, if the debtors uh, and their first lien creditors have the money, then they should pay it to the, to the teams in the interim uh, until this court determines that another amount should be paid. And to the extent that the court determines, and we don't think it would be appropriate, that in a, a lower amount should be paid, then there can be an adjustment made going forward. But there's simply no justification for allowing the debtors to continue to have a free ride on the intellectual property rights of the Twins and the Guardians in the meantime. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to pencil in the 31st unless someone tells me otherwise. Or I'm going to we'll set it at 9 a.m. starting on that day. Um, you know, Someone's going to put on witnesses. I know it is customary to be able to um, allow certain parties to appear virtually, um, but I would ask that to the extent they can appear in person, I'm going to ask that they appear in person. It just removes, you know, the one-off potential issues with tech issues and things of that nature. And I think we have some of the best tech in the country. I'd argue that we have the best tech in the country. I just... You know, if we can all do this in person and the parties agree to it, then I'm I'm 100% in support of that. I'll be here. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Editor Dale Sheehan for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and, and, and thank you to the accommodations of parties. We had noted in our papers that both most both Mr. Bishop and I are outside the continental U.S. on the 19th of May, so the 31st. Oh, yeah. The, the one right. th as as I had mentioned earlier. Uh, I, mean, I, I, su I support the, the comments of the commissioner, but we are going to, I would ask that this is without prejudice to the fact that we're not back next week talking about cash collateral. And, and that may be the appropriate context to just to address an interim solution or where we're going. Well, that, that, to be honest with you, that's what I was thinking. If, if we're going to go forward with cash collateral next week, then I think um, we'd have to cross that bridge and, and maybe everyone, in light of the 31st hearing date, Everybody can kind of think about those issues, and and I'll, I'll allow the arguments that can be made. I know today's just a status conference, so I don't, but I can certainly address and rule on issues in connection with cash collateral, and I think it's probably the appropriate time where where relief is requested, and I can rule on it. Thank you. Uh, thank you.
Your Honor, Marty Brimage here on behalf of the, or proposed counsel for the committee. A um, couple of quick things. Given all that needs to be done, I think the determination to have this on May 31st is absolutely the right way to go. It happens to be a Brimage College uh, graduation on May the 19th as well. So um, for, the, for the pocketbook of the Brimages, that's a celebration event. Um, and we appreciate that everybody chose the 31st. Um, with that, Your Honor, once the court is done with that, I'll address a quick status update on what the committee's been up to, and then but I'm okay. happy to do it now or whenever the court is. Well, let me just make sure that the 31st works for everyone, and, and, and I, my understanding is we're still going forward with cash collateral, but obviously we'll have to discuss between now and the 31st. Um, I know that there's a proposal for uh, to escrow. I think that's where we would take that issue up, um, right, because they, they would have something would have to get budgeted, and, and we'd have to figure all that stuff out. At, at that time, um, and everyone, this is certainly without prejudice to everyone's rights to make whatever arguments they were going to make in connection with that hearing today. I, I just don't want to have that hearing today. There could be other parties that would make, wish to make appearances to be heard, um, and other, who knows what happens between now um, and that day. Maybe that issue gets worked out, maybe it doesn't, but. Um, you know, can work from the 31st and then kind of see where we go from there. Before I turn to Mr. Brimage and ask about, kind of hear from the committee, um, I guess what I would consider at the 10,000-foot level, um, does anyone else wish to be heard? Mr. Brimage, the floor is all yours. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, first, let me just briefly introduce the four committee members that were formed uh, on March the 22nd. It's at docket number 247, but just as a quick reminder, it's Hart Hanks Response Management, Austin Inc., who's a trade vendor. It's Intelsat US LLC, which is also a trade vendor. It's US Bank Trust Company National Association, which is an unsecured notes trustee. And it's VTAC Corporation, which is also a trade vendor. Quick status update. The committee selected Aiken Gump as counsel on March the 30th. On March the 31st, they conducted uh, interviews for financial advisors, and they selected FTI. On April the 3rd, they conducted an investment bank uh, interviews, and they selected Houlihan Loki. Since then, the committee and its professionals have been off and running. There's a lot to catch up on, Your Honor. We are just now getting into the case, but as you have heard today, and you heard it the first day, this case has been brewing for a while, and a lot of the professionals are way up to speed. Um, but we, we uh, commit ourselves to catch up quickly. On that note, Your Honor, we want to make sure that the court is clear on what the goal of the committee is. The goal is to help the company get reorganized and out of this bankruptcy and off and running. And we're going to do our part. We have met with the debtor's management team and its advisors and walked through their views of the future of the company. And on that note, Your Honor, and a bunch of these other things I'm going to mention, I want to say a special thank you to the debtors and all of their advisors. They've been unbelievably accommodating with their time and their information, uh, and we very much appreciate it. They understand the hill we're climbing to get up to speed, and they, <clears throat> they haven't given us any problems, and in fact, they've laid out the welcome mat and been incredibly helpful, so we want to say thank you. Um, we worked with the debtors on diligencing pre-petition transactions and working on a business plan for the company. We're analyzing the proposed cash collateral order and the related issues, which you're going to hear next week. And we're working with the company on those issues. And if, uh, if we have our way, we'll get those all resolved and we'll present a consensual order. 
If not, you'll have our pledge that will only come to you with the limited issues that we have, um, and we'll deal with those. But hopefully, we're optimistic about that. Um, we're analyzing other first-day relief, including the cash management motion, and working with the debtors to address certain issues on that. We're analyzing these motions that are going forward right now. Notice we haven't really taken a position on what we think on the merits because we're not there yet. And we're not going to talk about that until, until we're there. But we're trying to get up to speed and quickly get there. And then we're working on an investigation of potential claims on behalf of the unsecured creditors. Um, as this case proceeds, Your Honor, the committee will continue doing exactly what it is doing. And that is getting up to speed and making sure that we are pro progressing this case and doing everything we can to support a reorganization that can be healthy and come out of bankruptcy. And with that, Your Honor, um, I appreciate the court's time this afternoon. All right. Thank you. And I really appreciate uh, those parties that are present here, uh, both in the courtroom and online. Um, I really appreciate the statements and all the briefing. I look forward to reading the briefing and getting even smarter on these issues. Um, I assure you I'll be ready on the 31st um, to address those issues um, at Needham and also to address the cash uh, collateral issues that may be coming next week. Um, until then, if anyone needs the court, uh, you know, the quickest thing to do is obviously always to just reach out to my case manager, um, who's always available uh, whenever the parties need it. So um, I, the parties have a schedule. I would like, um, if you reach agreement uh, on a proposed schedule in terms of, um, you can step it out, whatever's the most efficient. Um, I don't need to sign the order. Uh, you can just step it out. I, but I would like to know what, just generally, what it is, just so I'm aware. So if anything comes up, I kind of know what what's going on. But I don't need to. Um, I don't need to. You, you don't need to reach out to me to, to sign it uh, unless you you want it. But if you do, reach out to my case manager, um, and I'll take a look at it and sign it. Until then, I'll see everyone next week. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh...